0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Running Effect Podcast with Dominic Schleider. I'm your host, Dominic, and today on the podcast is who I like to call the king of Iowa, Jackson Heidish. Jackson has been on a tear recently uh, on the grass this past fall. He won NXR. He won an individual and team title in Iowa, and he placed fifth at NXN, and then within the past few months, he's run 842 in the 3200. He's run 402 in the mile. He's won his first national title on the track. It's been so exciting to see, so I was like, got to get Jackson on the podcast. So that's what we're doing today. Today's conversation was insightful, fun, impactful. I'm confident you're going to love it as much as we did recording it. Quick note before we hop right into today's episode, I'd greatly appreciate it if you give us a follow and a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You're already listening to this, so it will legitimately take between five and ten seconds to do those two things. And then also, after listening to today's episode, or if you haven't done so already, consider a friend you know who would be positively benefited by today's episode or the podcast in general shoot them a text shoot this episode their way tell them to listen to it through that we can reach more people and hopefully inspire them in the process so without further ado enjoy my conversation with the one and only the man the myth the legend the king of iowa jackson heidish Jackson, good afternoon. Welcome to the Running Effect podcast. A pleasure to have you on the show. How are you doing this afternoon?
1: I'm doing pretty well. I just got back from Costa Rica last night and woke up this morning, ate some breakfast. Uh, Sundays are my off day, which is kind of nice. So yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Costa Rica, man. You're living it up. What what was that like? (laughs) Yeah, it was awesome. It was a senior spring break with some of my family and some of my friends. And it was kind of nice to just like chill out after New Balance. Um, So I actually flew directly from Boston to Atlanta on, I think it was Sunday night after my mile Um, and then woke up Monday morning and flew to Costa Rica, but it was, it was so fun to just get in the sun, relax. And it was like 20 degrees where I live, um, back home. So it was nice to get in the sun, relax and just hang out with family and friends. So
0: in terms of non-running activities, what are, what are some of your favorite things to do? Like during a week of vacation like that, where you're not, you know, focused on the next track workout or logging the easy miles, like what's on your mind of things that are enjoyable, but also like you're good at whether it's a a different sport or whatever it might be.
1: Yeah, for sure. So obviously like it depends on like if it's a friend vacation or family vacation, Um, but more like family vacations, like we do a lot of stuff kind of like towards the Caribbean and Costa Rica and a lot of kind of like beach vacations um so for me i'm not a super big beach guy which a lot of people kind of get mad at me for but i I, I don't know i don't like the sand the the salty ocean isn't it's not really my thing so i like sitting by the pool and honestly my biggest thing is reading a book i'm not a very big like reader like back at home but when when i'm like sitting in the 90 degree sun sitting in the shade just like sitting by the pool just reading the book is like the, the perfect activity for me and then like we went to Hawaii a couple years ago, and a lot of that stuff was kind of based more on nature. So we did a lot of hiking, seeing volcanoes, and that was really cool. And I kind of want to take more vacations like that and kind of go to Colorado and um, kind of experience the outdoors a little more. So,
0: so big yeah. book guy, I gotta hear about this. What, what, are, <laughs> what are what are Jackson Heidish's favorite books?
1: Yeah, so mine are kind of cliche. Honestly, like the Harry Potter books are like my favorite all time books, and that's I'm actually rereading them for the maybe the fourth or fifth time since like seventh grade. Um, so I mean I, I I read them like once a year but I'm a big like kind of honestly just like teen like basic like books like the Maze Runner books I rewrote those all the time great books um, yes Percy Jackson books like those kind of like you read them in like seventh or eighth grade and they're still good when you come back to them four or five years later and I'm I'm a big I'm a big like rereading type of book or type of book guy yeah yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't know I I, I don't know it's kind of nice just I don't love like kind of diving into the text. I kind of like it just more for entertainment and it's kind of like watching a movie or whatever, watching TV, so. Do you think the movies
0: do those books justice? Because I think the few books you mentioned all have movies. Harry Potter, Maze Runner specifically, I'm thinking of because I love those books. Do you think the movies mm-hmm. do the books justice or are they
1: falling short? I would say Harry Potter, the movies do them as close as it gets to doing them justice. The, the Percy Jackson movies, in my opinion, are quite horrible. Honestly, <laughs> they're just it's just such a disappointment because the books are so, so good. And like they even like they go on into like I think it's like like the Heroes of Olympus or whatever. They have like another story after that. And they're never even – I don't even think they made all the Percy Jackson movies either. So those definitely failed. The Maze Runners are – I think the first one's really good. But once they got into, like, the – I think it's, like, the Scorch Trials and kind of back in, like, those later movies, they – I don't know they, they kind of fell off in my opinion
0: speaking from one entertainment form to another we're recording this on sunday march 19th you were in costa rica so i'm sure that that brought the good vibes and the good mood but over the past few days iowa's gone down iowa state's gone down duke's gone down it's probably not a good time to be yeah. a jackson heidish <laughs> basketball fan right now how are you holding no. up man with march madness
1: dude it felt so after that first day so like the like the first day of the round of 64 i had only missed one game and it was the arizona game and i, I think like almost everyone missed them but i actually had them losing like my sweet 16 so it didn't like mess up my bracket that much and then the second day hit me and duke lost. or yeah second day hit me like the round of 32 and then like yesterday i was the, the bracket was over i chose duke obviously i'm a little biased i i don't know i i, I just thought I did it for fun um but yeah my bracket's pretty busted and i when i would stay always seem to choke every single year and even drake who made it this year and they he just didn't win either so yeah i, I <laughs> totally forgot to about jake uh. yeah yeah exactly it's tough to be in iowan especially in island that's going to duke next year it was, it was kind of rough
0: so let's talk about duke uh going from you know bridging bridging the subjects duke why duke what yeah. made it stand out from other schools you know you're an extremely accomplished runner as we'll get into and as i'm sure many of our listeners know um you're a stud on the track on the grass whatever it <laughs> might you. be yeah. so you know realistically correct me if i'm wrong you could probably go to most any school you wanted for running so why duke like what made it stand out
1: yeah for sure so for me like the, i mean it's, i could talk about duke all day i could talk to you for two hours about why i chose duke <laughs> and trust me i've talked to some of my teammates and coaches and even my parents about <laughs> every single little reason every single pro and con it Um, at the school. But it kind of boils down to two big things for me, because a lot of like when I started my recruiting process, it seemed like a lot of the like the big name schools kind of all fell into the same category, like NAU, Oregon, Colorado, even like Iowa State, that was pretty close to home. Um, They all obviously had their differences, but they all kind of had their similarities as well. And Duke stood out to me more than any other school for two reasons. And the first one was academics. Um, It's one of the best academic schools in America. And I would say I don't know some people might disagree but i call it close to an ivy league caliber school and i think it's it's just it's one of those it's kind of cliche to say but it's honestly a degree that will set you up for the rest of your life and that was just an opportunity i was given luckily through my running because i would not have been able to get into a school like that without my running um so that gave me an opportunity that in the first place i just felt like i couldn't pass up and then the second um thing that was like the biggest for me was the social aspect and like the team aspect. Uh, I went there on that official visit, and it was actually I think my second, maybe third one. Um, and I went there, and after that, I, I almost knew I wanted to commit there right away. But I went on two other visits, and um, it was just a feeling like when I left, it was almost like in my heart, like I just like didn't want to leave, and I knew it was just like this, this is where I'm going. Like I'm going nowhere else. Um, and the, the team and the, there's obviously the coaches are great, facilities great, teams great. There's a million different things, and weather is a <laughs> weather was honestly a big one too. I was looking at a couple other schools towards the Midwest and. Um, you know, I've lived in Iowa for 18 years now, and I had to deal with 18 years of snow and winter. And um, I'm excited to get down to Duke and um, be able to have 40s, 50s, oh, it's, or all winter long. So
0: I love yeah. that. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think Duke has had an individual men's champion in forever, at least since mm-hmm. I followed this sport. Are you so, looking to change that?
1: I mean, obviously that's like the big time goal. I mean, it's it's weird. Like I look back to my freshman year and my number one goal, like we actually wrote them down, like my summer of my, going into my freshman year, I started running it. And my number one goal was crack the top seven in varsity. Um, so it's weird, like how kind of perspective and goals can change. But yeah, I mean, obviously being an NCAA champion would be like a dream of mine for sure. Or even like going on to being a pro runner would be awesome. But I've got four years in between that or maybe two or three. Um, that I got a a lot of little things to do and kind of steps along the way, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I'd love to be an NCAA individual champion, and even more, I'd love to bring the team to a podium or even a title someday.
0: You mentioned Iowa a few times. This is a part of the conversation I'm particularly interested to dive into. So, <laughs> my grandma and grandpa on my dad's side both grew up in Iowa, so very familiar oh, with the okay, state. Yeah. Got some Iowa blood myself. So, the Schleider yeah. family and Iowa go hand in hand. So, I'm excited to <laughs> have an Iowa stud on the podcast. So, excited yeah. to dive into this part. But when I think of Iowa, to be frank with you, I think of cold, miserable, winters oh yeah how do you do Mm -hmm. it man
1: dude it it's rough it's really rough and I like I always think like oh this sucks this is the worst and then I think of like guys like Simeon in in South Dakota and (laughs) I think of Noah up in Minnesota I'm like honestly I I don't have the worst of it I mean I've got pretty close to it but I don't have the worst of it but it's it's rough so like I used like I finished up my cross-country season in December and it it was getting chilly those last two weeks kind of going into NXN and Training was still going really well, and then I took a week off after NXN, and it was kind of right when I got back back into it. It was like December 10th, 11th, 12th. That's when it, it it's just horrible. It's it's pounds of snow, it's or feet of snow. Just you have to, the amount of clothing you have to wear. Just it feels like you can't go anything faster than like 7-10 pace, and workouts just you don't feel like warm, and it's 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 tough. But I'll say like one thing, like this year back or in 2022 for NXN, like I honestly think like us the mid the reason like all all the Midwest guys did so well and some of the um, kind of South guys or California guys struggled, um, except for Aaron. But some of the California guys struggled was just because I think they weren't used to the cold. So I think it is kind of a mentality you got to have in like a kind of Midwest tough, if you will. Um, and, and that it, I mean it it has its benefits, but it also kind of has its negatives with not being able to train super super well. But I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, how do you think?
0: So I come from Ohio, so somewhat similar to Iowa in the sense that like I I know what it's like to see outside, it snowed eight inches and be like, well, I had a track workout plan today. What do I do? You know, Um, but I do think a positive is the mental toughness aspect, as cliche as it sounds, when you literally have to will yourself to get out the door every day in miserable temperatures, and get the work done regardless of the conditions for months on end. And then once you get outside in the spring when the weather starts to warm up or you go to these big invitationals, you know, it's almost like you have a, uh, you know, your mind is mentally calloused yes. from those mm-hmm. those months in the winter. So what are your thoughts on like the, the mental aspect
1: of growing through the adversity of the Midwest winters? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's it's crazy the amount of like mental toughness I feel like I've gained just by, like you said, running through the winter and like having some days like I finish up like a seven hour school day and it's still like feels like of negative eight outside and they're, it's snowing and I got to go out and run like seven, eight miles. Um, and that's something I feel like it's grown for me, like personally, like I've gotten a lot mentally tougher that way. Um, but another thing for me, like with the team aspect is um, like it has brought me and like my, the guys I run with so, so close because it's we're out there struggling together um, and we, we got to run together anyway. So it's brought us really, really close together and it's given us a bond that I think lasts basically my entire life. Um, so I think that was, is a super, super cool thing that the Iowa winners do as well. It finds you someone to suffer with, if you will, and running's already a, as like a suffer sport as much as it is. But when you throw those like three month long cold winners, um, it just makes it easier when you guys got guys next to you um, doing it and yeah, so so jackson
0: take uh take us behind your start in the sport of running when did young jackson start to get interested in this thing and what were his first impressions of the sport
1: yeah so i remember uh i mean i think it was like six seven years old i did it like every year it was like the july fun run if you will um and i, I think it was maybe second or third grade. Really. i was eight or nine I actually won the mile division i think i still have a picture from it. me holding a trophy and my, <laughs> i've got neon green glasses and i'm tiny with this like dripped super out super blonde yeah exactly this super blonde hair and i think i actually mold like a muscle up or whatever and um i think my winning time was like seven eighteen or something like that so i mean at the time i thought i was like oh my gosh this is crazy but um looking back on that it's kind of funny but um i got into running through my dad and my sister my older sister now goes to the university of iowa she's not a runner but she's a kind of still a hobby jogger and she ran the chicago marathon two years ago so kind of seeing her go through middle school cross country and high school cross country. And um, my dad always been a runner. And he's kind of more of a triathlete now. He's done a couple half Ironmans and um, an Ironman as well. So kind of growing up with them, I was kind of for, not forced into running, but like forced to try running, at least from a young age. Um, I kind of figured out it was around fifth or sixth grade. Um, like I, I wasn't super good, but I think I was running like five, 10, So like five, 30 miles. Um. And I, at, the, at the time it was pretty good like it won our like kind of catholic school league division or whatever and that's kind of when i started getting some sort of success in the sport um and then from there i kind of just carried out through seventh and eighth grade and um and then it was kind of i'd say honestly post COVID is when i really started like falling in love with the sport and really started put work putting work in and not like only during practice but outside practice and like actually kind of watching my sleep watching what i eat um, seeing like, like, and that was all through like kind of my older sister and like seeing her do it and then seeing my dad do it as well. So
0: I got to bring this up in your answer there. You called your sister a hobby jogger. Some people would be very (laughs) offended. Do you call her a hobby jogger? And is she offended by that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I do. I don't think she'd be too offended to be honest. She, she kind of admits it. She was a varsity, like she was a varsity level um, athlete as a senior or sophomore and her junior and senior year she actually got grade four stretch fractures in her tibia yeah. so ever since then she's kind of gotten shied away from the competitive side of running I, I don't think she'd mind me saying she's she is more of a hobby jogger now she doesn't really run more for the competitive side but more for the kind of enjoyment that running brings her and it kind of relieves stress for her and she enjoys it. and she has a couple friends she does it with um, so I, I call her kind of a full-fledged hobby jogger now to be honest well
0: so. funny <laughs> enough either in your Instagram bio or I think Strava bio you do have hobby jogger in your bio so (laughs) you've run 402 you've run 842 you placed fifth at NXN at what point can you consider someone not a hobby jogger because now
1: I feel (laughs) extremely slow yeah (laughs) honestly I feel like I don't know hobby jogger kind of has a negative connotation but I don't know it's kind of fun to say like I, I call myself a hobby jogger and I mean, obviously, I think I'm a little bit more than that, maybe, but um, it, it's kind of fun and it's, it has this kind of negative connotation around it, maybe And even like for I think as you get older, like into your like guys who ran in college or professionally kind of get older in their 30s and 40s, maybe turn to hobby joggers and just aren't racing as competitively anymore and kind of like I said earlier, just race for fun or kind of just like go out and run for fun. And that's something that I've always tried to keep in the sport. I mean, I, I love competing more than anyone else, um, but I also love those kind of seven, eight mile easy days where I just got to go out and hang out for an hour and talk to my teammates and enjoy the stress um like the stress relieving feeling of running and just it just it brings a lot of enjoyment for me and i know that's not that's not for everyone but for me personally i i love the sport and i I love even just kind of like i said hobby jogging and just jogging with my friends and easy running so well i think that's the beauty of our sport not to get too philosophical with you here but like
0: (laughs) that you could be you know your sister and be out of competitive running but still set goals for yourself like doing the Chicago marathon or be your dad and, you know, focus on triathlons, the running part within the triathlon or like yourself where it's truly, okay, I want to win national titles and, you know, break four minutes in the mile or whatever it is. And I think that's why runners connect with each other like right away is because immediately there's so many subjects to talk about. And I think that's the beauty, you know, you could, as funny as it sounds, it's true. Someone who, whose PR is 10 minutes in the mile, they could be working as hard as you are for a four minute mile. And it's that almost shared suffering that makes the sport beautiful because we all know the feelings that come with a high mileage week, a uh, track workout, <laughs> a race, going after a goal uh, despite adversity and challenges. Uh, and that's why you know I love the podcast and having these conversations and I've definitely realized that, that like no matter how fast or slow you are, the sport still is beautiful for everyone whereas football it's like you're either good or you aren't and if you aren't (laughs) you're never playing again you know yeah
1: exactly and I feel like running has like for me like even growing up around it it's turned into like before I got super super competitive in it and like kind of like I said earlier my fifth sixth seventh eighth grade middle school days I I didn't take it super super competitively and just enjoyed it Um, and that's something that even like as a senior in high school now I'm being super super competitive and going on to college i still want to continue through like as i get older and like i don't know where my running career is going to take me i don't know if my whatever my senior year in college will be my last year or three years after um three years after college or if i'm going to run professionally i i just kind of am going to leave that up to um fate and just decide um what what's in store for me but yeah i, I always kind of say I, like i want to be able to still enjoy running when i'm 40 and 50 and i'm i'm just going out to run three four miles or i um, doing that and that's a big goal of mine even like post-college and post-professional whatever happens is still be able to enjoy the sport and enjoy running and enjoy just having fun with it. So
0: so you talked about that, that post-COVID getting a little more serious specifically outside of practice. Can you take me further into that and deciding that running wasn't just something you were a part of on your team or an activity that you did but it was something that like you really wanted to see how far you could go within this activity?
1: Yeah, and and I think the biggest thing for me was having I when I was a freshman. And my so COVID like the COVID like the March April May that COVID hit was my freshman year. So I got my freshman track season cut completely short, and my freshman cross country season. I think I ran sixteen forty at NXR maybe, and that that was a big PR for me. And I think it was like the fourth or fifth fastest freshman in the state. Um, so I mean, I I'd already thought that I, like I had a, a future in running, like just high school wise, and be able to make the make the varsity team and score at state. Um, but it was really into my sophomore year and during COVID, I, I saw one of my um, seniors at the time, senior teammate, Sam Hall is his name. He went to Arkansas for a couple of years and he's back up at Iowa State now running. Um, he's a little injured. He's been banged up for about two or three years, but uh, he ended up being a state runner up his or he was his senior year, so my freshman year. So having guys like him and um, like other guys um, kind of set the example for me, if you will, and like see them do it outside practice led me to want to do that. And then the biggest thing for me was seeing results through that. I could see the results through getting more sleep at night, um, eating the right food and um, rolling out when I get home. And I could see the results and that just kind of like compound on itself. And all the way through my sophomore, junior, even the senior year, it feels like I do like a little bit more and more each year. And like every like I know there's other reasons for obviously getting older and faster and building mileage. But I think the little things really, really stack up, especially over two to three year long period. Um, And you just see results. You do. I mean, I, I went from a I think I was a 438 mile as a miler as a freshman. I'm down to 402 and edging close to the four minute barrier now. Um, so the, the results will come. But I loved you
0: taking us through your progress there. What do you want people to take away, the listener, to take away from what you just shared, your own journey and your own commitment to discipline that has taken you this far over the past three years?
1: Yeah, so for, it's it's different for everyone too because like me and some of my other teammates that are just as disciplined as I am and even guys like Connor and other guys that are at New Balance, like it was funny, we were talking and, and it, like one thing, big thing that like some of them not got mad at me, but kind of poked fun at me for was I never foam roll. It's not in my recovery like scheme or whatever you want to call it. Like that's just something I've never done and that's something they do. So it's kind of like running in like recovery, especially it's not like a one size fits all. Um, you got to figure out what works for you, what gets you the best recovered. Um, a lot of guys like to use firefly. I've, I've never tried it. Um, but my kind of go-to's are sleep is honestly my number one, nine to 10 hours of sleep every night. And then my second biggest one is actually an Epsom salt bath. That's kind of my, my yes. key to success. Yeah. Let's yeah. go. I love that. It's my key to success right there. And then my third one is, um, just stretching and kind of hypervolting and a little other stuff like that. Uh, I do some kind of dynamic stretches to get me warmed up and stuff. But Epsom salt's best. I'm I'm glad you agree with me. Oh, right dude, here, they're those, absolute yeah.
0: gas. It's <laughs> yes, both a yes. recovery aspect. Uh, physically, I do think there are a lot of benefits yeah. physically. But mentally, dude, something oh, about sure. just like yes. sitting in a bath. And as weird yeah. as it sounds, someone made this argument to me. And I think it's interesting. I could see it being true. If you're a scientist listening, you're probably going to shake your head about this. But um, <laughs> someone was saying, like, you know, we develop in our mother's wombs for nine months. And it's like in an enclosed area yeah. in like the fluid um, and it's yeah. like the same thing with the Epsom salt bath. As weird as yeah. it sounds, it's like you're yeah. like in this yeah. enclosed space of like a bath and it's like warm yeah. water, super comforting. So I also think like the the mental aspect of like unwinding with an Epsom salt bath is uh, absolutely gas. Uh, that might sound oh. weird, the the yeah. connection to <laughs> being in the womb in an Epsom salt bath, but I can see the, the parallel. I don't know. Oh.
1: No, for sure. Yeah, I, li- I actually really like that, that comparison. That's funny. I've never heard that before. But yeah, I love Epsom salt baths. And like, like you, you had it spot on for me, like, it feels like it's just as much as like a kind of stress reliever and kind of just a, like relax, like after a hard workout, I love doing them and just like getting in them, like feeling my like muscles almost like, like get rid of the lactic acid, it feels like and just kind of relax. And uh, my mind just kind of goes blank. And I just kind of get to sit in my thoughts for about 15 minutes. So I, I love them and I actually most of the time, not every time, but a lot of the time I, I do them the night before I race because it helps me go to sleep. Um, and it kind of just like I, I kind of get pretty nervous before races. So the night before, it's really nice to kind of just go into sleep, just feeling really relaxed and calm. so. So uh,
0: uh, let's say an eighth grader, a freshman's listening to this and they're like, okay, Jackson talked about going from 438 to 402. Like what would be your advice to the listener who, or they could be 50 and they want to chase after a big goal that they're scared (laughs) to like, what would be your advice to someone who wants to take the next steps, but maybe is a little bit afraid to fail or afraid to go after them?
1: Yeah. And that's honestly, that was a big part of my journey as well through my high school running, um, as well as middle school. Um, but learning how to take those next steps. And like, like you said, learning not to be scared. That was a big thing for me because my sophomore year, I would, I placed third at state cross country. Um, I actually won a state title on the track my sophomore year. And that was a big jumping point for me because it felt like a lot during my freshman and sophomore year. And even a little bit into my junior year, as I got better and started going, not just like to state races, but to like, um, like regional and national meets. Um, And the big thing for me was learning that like, to be okay. in the fact that like, I belong here and like, I'm good enough to be here. And not kind of shy away from those opportunities, but embrace them and realize those, those are like amazing opportunities to race and just compete against like some of the greatest kids in the country or region or even state for some kids. Um, so that, that was a big jumping point for me and realizing that like it's, it's I, I kind of saw it more of as, as, as a negative and it was really stressful for my, like my sophomore and year. And this year I feel like it's been a lot more just kind of opportunities embracing those and being happy to just compete and have that opportunity. Um, and that was also kind of a confidence thing, and uh, that was kind of a mental thing I had to figure out um, these last year and a half or two years. But I, I would tell any listeners that are wondering, like it's you, you can do anything you set your mind to. Honestly, I mean, like if I, if I went back to my freshman year and like you told me, like I was running four hundred two and eight forty two, I would have told you no way. I didn't even know if I break nine twenty in the two mile or four twenty in the mile. Um, because honestly, that was that was pretty fast back then, three years ago. And now it's seeming like four ten is the new standard and nine fly is the new standard. Um, but you're as you get better and progress and as you put more into sport, I feel like your mindset changes and the goals you set change. And that's always the the very fun thing for me is kinda like realizing like I, I wanted to like after an extent, I went into this year, wanted to go like eight fifty and four oh four oh two, four oh three, and I've already surpassed the two mile and I'm already kinda at the mile. So now it's kinda one of those things like I I gotta reset my mindset and say, Well, like what's next? Like what's the next opportunity, what's the next time I wanna hit? So uh, yeah, I would, I would, I would give someone like advice of just don't shy away, embrace the moment, embrace the opportunities because sometimes they can be once in a lifetime opportunities.
0: I love that. So speaking of some of those races, NXR, I think I heard your name before that, just following the sport super, super closely. But you outkick our boy Simeon Burnbaum. Rest <laughs> yeah. in peace, Simeon. And uh, yeah. <laughs> you outkick him. You win NXR. Then the next week, you place fifth at NXN. Take us through your your cross country season as a whole and kind of as you were just talking about there, you know, raising the standard for yourself kind of every time you go out, you know, surpassing your goal and then setting a new one and fit that NXN bro, that's that's pretty darn good. So take us through that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, thank you. So for me, my cross country season, I was really lucky. I had a really good block of summer training and a really good block of training through like September and um, October. And I was not injured at all which is something that I, I still kind of take for granted and I'm, I'm really happy with. And honestly, I haven't been injured in, a, in a, quite a bit of time, which is something I, I, I try and um, I, or I kind of take for granted sometimes. But I was really lucky. I was able to have a really good training block. And I think it was my first race was probably September 12th, maybe 13th. I'd have to go back and look. Um, but I broke 15 minutes for the first time. And that was only the third, I was only maybe the third Iowa to ever break 15. And mine was some of those are kind of like, I don't know, like maybe not in the most legit courses, kind of like small school, little maybe a little short. Um, But the one I had run on was like was a district site. And like it was it was pretty legit. Um, So doing that and kind of surprising myself there as the first like race of the season kind of set the tone for the rest of the season. Um, And then my like my probably big out like big breakout race, I'd say, was GRIAC for me. I played second there and I lost to Noah Brecker. Um and that was a big race for me and that got me really excited for NXR because kinda all the way, like I've I've kind of been saying this, but all the way through my sophomore junior year, I really focused on the state level. Um and didn't really think about regionals and nationals and kind of the state meet was the biggest thing for me. Um and then after GRIAC, I had kinda had a conversation with my coach and being second at GRIAC racing a lot of guys I was gonna race NXR. Um I told him like I I think I can make NXN. I think I have a good shot at honestly trying to win NXN or NXR. Um And then go on and see what I can do at NXN. Um, And so I don't even think anything changed in like my training necessarily or anything like recovery or anything like that. I think it was just like like I've been saying, like a mindset kind of flip Um, and being able to realize that I can compete with these guys and I can race them. And then um, NXR, I I talked to my coach the night before and um, (coughs) his number one um, kind of. Advice before the race was like, do not leave it to a 400 meter kick with Simeon. You will probably <laughs> lose that. He is a sub four miler. He closed his Brooks mile. And I think like 56, 57 or whatever. I mean, he's a one fifty eight hundred guy. Do not leave it to the 400 meters. Um, so I, I I left with probably 1K, to, At 4K. I made a move and I kind of started gapping Simeon and some of the other guys a little bit. And I kind of looked over my shoulder about 500 meters ago. And that's when I saw him coming. And then he actually, in that video, I think it's on my Instagram. He passes me and then I pass him again. Um, so that was a really big confidence booster going at NXN, knowing I beat a guy like Simeon Birnbaum. And, um, I know he, he, I kind of edged him at the tape and maybe it was a, a little bit of a, um, kind of, I don't know, not, not the, not the big, like bold way to win a race, but I, I, I still won. So, um, and then going to NXN, it was actually funny. We, me, Cole and him all tied. Um, but it was funny. Cole beat me, but I, I still beat Simeon again by like, I think it was like thousandth of a second. So that was kind of funny in my opinion to do it again. Um, but just
0: a quick break to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Element. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. Element contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio with none of the junk. I'm talking no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. Element can help you to not only reach your highest performance goals, but also will fuel you in the day-to-day to live your healthiest and most efficient life. Put to the test, Element has been used by the U.S. Olympic team, NFL, NBA, NHL, special force teams, and hundreds of thousands of humans who are striving to live their healthiest life. I've been using Element every single day for the past few months, and whether it's gearing up for a hard track workout or trying to focus on some podcast work, I always feel better, more alert, more hydrated after taking Element. You guys can get a free Element sample pack with any purchase through our custom URL. All you have to do is go to drinklmnt.com slash the running effect. My favorite flavors are watermelon and raspberry salt. I would definitely check those out to get started. Element offers no question asked refunds so you can try it totally risk free today. If you don't like it, they will give you your money back. No questions asked. Guys, I'm confident you guys are going to love it. Again, go to Element.com slash the running effect to get your free element sample pack with any purchase. Okay, let's get back into today's episode. So like the following month, you get back on the track and like, again, you're a legit guy, but I don't think anyone would guess 842. Mm -hmm. I think you ran at the Hoka misfit meet, beat Connor Burns, another absolute stud. Like, the momentum is with Jackson Heidish. Like, take us through that that season opener, man, where you run 842. Yeah,
1: yeah so it was, it was one of those – it's funny. So after NXN, like I said, I kind of took like a 7 to 10-day break. And actually, Connor texted me and was saying, hey, like, I'm going to try to set the national record at this meet in a month and a half. You want to jump in? And I'm sitting there on my couch eating, like, potato chips. I'm like, oh. I mean, why not? But, like, sure, I'm not really in shape for this thing. So I call my coach like five, 10 minutes later and I'm, I'm like, hey, like, do, you, like, do you think this is a good like, season opener? Just kind of like bust the rust off. Steve, I, my PR before uh, going in this season was 9.01. So I was like, maybe I can dip under nine for the first time. I might be able to get in some sort of like two mile shape because um, I built that huge base in the fall. Um, so I talked to him, he's like, yeah, let's do it. It's a good rust buster anyways. It's a good opportunity. Connor will be there, it will be paced. Um, it's on a really fast track um, because Connor and Cole, I think both went 350 there, whatever that was, a year or two ago now. Um, so I knew it was going to be a great opportunity to race. I just had no idea what kind of fitness I was in, which was kind of the fun part too, going into it and not being super stressed out and like nervous and kind of just like, hey, let's just let's just see where I'm at. I might be in 905 shape, and I ended up being in 842 shape. Um, but it was kind of the fun funness of like just not really knowing and being an unknown. Um, so yeah, after that, things really exploded in my inside my head and like my confidence level, and um, I just. I just finally felt like I belonged, and I finally felt like I was truly one of the top five, ten kids in the nation, and maybe even top three, um, and kind of edging my way up to that, number one. Um, so it was a big conference booster, great race, and uh, I kind of, I don't know, caught Connor fading a little bit. He went out maybe a little too hot, too, um, So, but it, it was overall such a great race. So
0: Something I have to, to get into, you know, many kids these days, including myself, you know, it's it's uh, spikes these days aren't necessarily, they're made with the the purpose slash the possibility that you don't have to wear socks, which was not how it used to be. A lot of kids take that opportunity, including myself. You're like, nope, not textbook. I'm gonna throw on some fun long socks every race. It works, man. It works. That might be the luck charm. That might be the secret to running 8:42 402. What's that about? You know, have you always done that? Is that something more new? And uh, like, what's the? How many? What's your sock selection? How many socks do you have that you would be fine wearing for a race?
1: Yeah, so I train it like from just like normal training runs. I train in like normal, just like white. I think they're Swiftwick is a brand. It's a really nice like kind of biking running brand. Um, so I train Swiftwick socks all the way through. But ever since, I think it was my eighth grade year, I started wearing them. I don't know where I, I must have found them at like my local kind of running store, like Fitness Sports, my local running store. I think I found them there and they, they're donut socks. They're the ones I still wear today. And I have worn them every single race since I think it was either eighth or ninth grade. And they have kind of just, it's just kind of been my trademark. And I, I don't really think about it too much. I kind of always forget I wear them until I pull them out on race day. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm wearing these today. Um, but it's, it's kind of, it's like people have kind of started commenting on them and seeing them. And I think it's kind of fun now. Um, so I'm going to try and continue the tradition all the way through this year, and then hopefully in college as well. But it's always been kind of a little fun, like thing, make you stand out. And like when I have to wear like all the same uniforms as my teammates, it's kind of nice to have one thing that kind of makes you stand out, or and it's something like that. Have you ever lost them the night
0: before a race, and it's like, oh crap! Everyone in my family, <laughs> stop what you're doing and help me find yeah. these. <laughs>
1: No, it's, uh, it's funny. I actually have them like kind of like right like by my cubby where I keep my spikes. I have, I, it's, um, I wish I only had one pair. I'll be, I'll be honest. I have like three or four pairs. Okay, there what, happened to me is, yeah. <laughs> what happened to me is my freshman year, I only brought one donut, um like one pair of donut socks to the race and I ripped them in half while putting them on. Cause they were just so worn <laughs> out and they'd been running through it. Like they have just been ran in so much. um So they ripped in half and I was like, Oh boy. So then my, my mom had to go buy another pair like the day of the meet. And I, I think I still had them on for that race. Um, but then after that, then we started like buying two or three or four pairs, and um, I kind of wear them for about one season is what I get in them, and then they start kind of fraying and um, just get kind of kind of gross, to be honest. And some of those races, um, like N X N or N X, not N X R, but N X N, and another race I had in my cross country season, they get kind of wet and gross and just sweaty. So I, I, I usually change them out about every once a season. So,
0: so have you? Are you locked and loaded for for this season? Do you have a new pair? <laughs> yeah. You ready to break out? Yeah.
1: Yes, of course. Yeah. So, and my feet have grown since then. I think I was like size nine or ten as a freshman. Now they're up to twelve and a half. So I've had to get bigger sizes as well. Um, so it's it's funny. I have like ones that I can barely put on anymore. Because <laughs> too small. So, <laughs> yeah. So New Balance National Indoor. You go eight forty four.
0: Play second behind Connor Burns, friend of the podcast. Uh, and then two <laughs> days later, in the mile, people can can watch the the race video on YouTube. But talk us through that final lap. Going into the final lap, you and Devin are battling it out. Can you take me through that final 30 seconds and ultimately doing your textbook thing of, you know, just making it a dramatic ending like you did at NXR, <laughs> like you've done at other races? Take us through the final 200.
1: Yeah, so going in that final 200, I was pretty shot. I was honestly like, I I think Devin passed me with 200 to go, like coming around the 200 to go. And I, I knew I had one more move in me, or I, I thought I only had one more move in me. So I was like, okay. I got 200 to go. I got to make my last move. I, I can't let him take it back. I have to like make the move. Um, so I think it was coming around the back stretch, maybe like 150, 130 to go. I made one move and then Devin came back on me and made another move. And there was a moment in like with probably 40, 50 meters left when we came out down that home stretch and he was, he was edging me out. And I thought I, I'm, I'm going to lose this thing. I, I spent all my moves. I've I've spent everything. Um, and it's weird. I kind of talked about this on the Sidious Mag um, interview that I did right after the race. And it's still kind of fresh in my mind. Um, it felt weird. It was like this little split second, like like flashback, almost like NXR I had that same type, type of feeling when Simeon was about to outkick me, and I feel like it's just something in my mind, like a, a switch flipped or something, and then like I just had another gear, um, and I was lucky with like thirty meters to go. I think it was even less than that, probably ten meters ago. I, I started catching him, and um, I I got him with like I don't even know five ten meters left. So basically, outleaned him. So. You did what
0: most people aspire to do or what every single coach wants their athletes to do, which is, you know, as NXN calls it, finish on empty, literally give it all within a race. How do you – it's more than physical because running such a mental sport. To get to the point where you got to, you need to go against what your mind is telling you because your mind is trying to protect you and it's like – dude, stop running four-minute mile pace, you're gonna die, you know, you're <laughs> gonna fall on your face, which you ended up doing, like, yeah. how do you dig that deep?
1: It's, it's really hard, honestly. I, if it was, this sounds almost arrogant, I don't want it to come out as arrogant, because I know there's so many people that dig deep, but if anyone could do it, anyone could like go that fast. But it's, it's truly a skill that I had to learn, and I know there's hundreds and probably thousands of people that can dig deep, um, but it's something you have to learn from, like at least I learned through practice. Um, for me, like workouts and stuff like that and time trials and races and experience, um, it's, it's not easy to dig that deep. I mean, if, it's, it's just not. It just hurts. And professional athletes are probably the best at it. They're better than anyone else in the world at it. Um, and that's why they go to the Olympics and they're, they're so good and they run so well. Is they, they just train their mind as well as training their body. But they train their mind to just kind of <laughs> endure the pain for as long as possible. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's a hard kind of acquired skill, if you will. Um, it's something I've had to practice a lot on, um, like I said, in, in practice, like in workouts and um, also in races as well. Um, but I think I think it comes along with experience. So it's it's one of those things like as a freshman or eighth grade, I feel like it's a little harder. But as you get older and more experienced and as you race more, you learn to deal with the pain more and learn how to kind of shut the pain off if you even can. So
0: you talked about earlier You know, raising the bar, raising the standard. Almost every time you go out, because you you break your goal, and then you're like, "Oh, well, there is a higher." You ran four out two. You ran eight forty two. You're now a national champion what are the goals for this spring? What do you want to do? What do you, accompl- what do you want to accomplish?
1: Yeah. So I, honestly, it, it's, I'm going to have a phone call with my coach today or maybe tomorrow and talk about it because it's <laughs> I've kind of accomplished a lot of my goals that I was looking towards um, for even indoor and outdoor, but now it's kind of nice. I, I took a break these last couple, three or four days and I kind of transitioning now from indoor to outdoor. Um, so I don't really have another big race for about six weeks, but I've got a race, a mile race at the Drake Relays. Um, and I think Simeon's going to come down and a lot of the other guy, big guys from Midwest. So That'll probably be like my big lace so I'll be looking to next. Um, but for goals, honestly, I haven't thought about it a ton. So breaking four is probably the big one. I mean, I, I want to try and get as close to that four-minute barrier as possible. Um, and one of the things I'm trying to train myself to do, and I think other guys around the country have talked about this too, is try and not see four minutes as a barrier. Because when you see it as a barrier, it's kind of harder to break, I'd say. Um, so just see if I can honestly go 358, 359 and sneak under the barrier, but not think of it as a barrier, which is kind of contradicting myself um but i i'd like to get faster in the mile and the 2 mile I, I i don't have as much unfinished business i think the the mile i have more unfinished business in and honestly i want to try the 800 out. i've never been a big 800 guy um but i don't know i want to see if i can kind of get close to 151 150 and work on my speed a little bit cuz that that'll help me with the mile as well and even the 2 mile so yeah um yeah
0: i think doing something like the 800 is kind of another way of saying you know Keeping this sport light and fun and not being super constricted to what you're best at and realizing that, sure, this is a serious sport where for you, like national titles are on the line or, you know, records, state records, you know, Mm -hmm. who knows, national records, whatever it might be. But like at the end of the day, you do this because it's enjoyable, because it's fun. And I think high schoolers in particular, a lot of times stray away from that, and then it sucks out the enjoyment. So can you maybe talk to the aspect within your own career and your own knowledge and expertise in the sport of keeping the sport light and fun and not necessarily getting too serious about it? Like, I can only do the two mile because it's my best event, but also having the mindset of like, not just in races of doing an 800, but also in everyday practice of like, sure, trying to get the most out of yourself, but also having fun because that's why you do it
1: yeah so for every single track season i've ran in since freshman year we always fill out a um, kind of like a, a reason why we go off for track and now as a senior it kind of seems a little stupid because I, I don't know it's kind of <laughs> like i've done this for four years it's i'm getting to the point where i think most people know why i run but it's funny because my number one answer is there's like boxes you can check and my number one answer since freshman year has always been have fun and my number two answer is usually like compete with others and the third one is like better myself and I think the fourth one is um learn how to beat like um learn how to do something I don't know but those are like the top three um but my number one is always have fun and that's always I, I kind of talked about this earlier with the, the hobby jogging thing um is, is learn to have fun with the sport because I've, I've seen guys who just like get so so like stressed out and just make it all about competition and all about just seriousness and they kind of suck the fun out of it and I, it, For me, I I feel like it just wouldn't be worth it at the end of the day. I mean, if you're not having fun with the sport, then I I feel like it it wouldn't be worth it. Maybe people who just are winning national titles and like breaking national records off of um, not having fun maybe would disagree with me. But I think if you're able to do both, I think it's it's the right way to do it. um having fun for me looks like just have honestly building great relationships with my teammates and coaches and um and like having fun with them and like being able to talk to them about a lot of things joke around have fun and that's kind of i'll loop this back into like what i was saying about the social aspect at duke i went to a lot of um like programs and i I don't want to like like crap on them or anything but a lot of them were very 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 serious and didn't seem like they had a ton of fun at practice and the that kind of a, a lot of guys would kind of fall off the wagon if you will and not be super happy and a lot of them are doing a lot of anxiety and depression and that was not what i was looking for in school at all i want to go somewhere where I, I was having fun and like i was like obviously still training super hard and like chasing these times and goals with the, like my teammates around me but still making sure that practice is the most fun part of my day it always has been um and part of that's running but part of that's being able to talk to my teammates and have fun and joke around and um, I think a big piece for that of that for me was um, finding teammates that I could also hang out with outside of practice um, because, like, on Friday, Saturday nights, we're always, like, hanging out – or not always hanging out, but hanging out, getting pizza, that kind of stuff. And um, I think that builds a lot of team camaraderie, and that makes the sport even more fun. So find little things like that is what I would say to make the sport more fun because there's going to be times where it's not going to be so fun, where you're hurting, like you said, in a track workout, or you, you're you waking up and you got a 13-mile longer, and you're like, oh, this is – This is not going to be fun. And or those winners that I was talking about. Um, So making it as fun as possible is what I've always tried to do and um, having as much fun with the sport as possible. And my thing has always been is the the day that I kind of or the week or whatever month long period that I I stop having fun in this sport it will probably be time for hang up the spikes for me. You know, the
0: state of Iowa better than I do. So feel free to add in any other names. But, you know, when I think of the state, I think of like people who have made it and really brought. The state of Iowa to a national prominence. It's like Shelby Houlihan and Chris Schweizer, who are like national class runners. But I don't really, like, I don't know if there are any guys who are doing it. Bottom line, like, how meaningful is it to you to give back to your state in the way in which you're competing on a national level? You won a national title. And as you said at the beginning of this episode, like, you're you're not settling for that. You're trying to do more. You're going to try to compete for a national title in college, potentially run professionally. That's something we don't really see coming out of Iowa. So how meaningful would it be to give back to the state that you've lived, you know, 18 years of your life in and, uh, you know, when people think of Iowa running, they'll think of your name. Like how meaningful would that be to you?
1: Yeah, it's, it's awesome. I, I think someone used the phrase with me kind of becoming in the running community, a household name, which is something that I've kind of embraced. And I've had a lot of fun with these last, like whatever, six to nine months. And I've, I I love it. Honestly, it's awesome. This Iowa running community is a community that's honestly underappreciated, maybe is the, like not right word. Um, but Like there, Iowa just kind of isn't on the map. Like if you look at all the states, you're gonna look at California, New York, like Texas, Florida. Those are kind of the dominant running states, and that's kind of what I've been trying to change these last couple years: is um, figure out how I can make Iowa a state like that and one of the best running states in the country, and kind of put Iowa on the map, if you will. Um, and I think that comes through running in high school, but as well as running college and running professionally. And um, I, I want to inspire the next generation of athletes, especially the, the ones that are coming from Iowa. And it's like be able to like inspire an eighth grade or ninth grade right now, like, and show them what I'm doing and showing them that this, this is possible. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not that special. Like I'm not, I don't have some special like special secret. It's just putting work in day in day out and loving the sport. And I mean, obviously I've got a little bit of God given talent in there, but I know there's hundreds of kids that have the same type of talent Um, so I I, it's 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 awesome I'm I'm really excited to kind of put Iowa on the map and um, that's another thing that's pushing me towards the four minute barrier a lot is because I want to be under it and I want to be the first Iowan high school to ever do it and show that other Iowans can do it and maybe someday it can be a state like Michigan that I think has multiple sub high school sub four guys Um, so yeah doing running the sport for my state is a is a big reason why I do this as well and Knowing that, like when I go to those national meets, like NXN and New Balance, I have like like the support of not only my high school but the entire state with me, and um, having competitors from my state that are like watching me succeed and um, wanting to run with me and do the same things I'm doing. So,
0: I love it jackson this conversation has been so much fun fantastic to top it off just a few listener questions because we've already i feel like we could talk for hours uh so <laughs> yeah. we'll wrap this up soon first question from jacob if you could medal or win the olympics in any event what would it be
1: oh i i think i'd have to go to the 1500 honestly the 1500 1500- I, I, this sounds like an American thing to say. I wish there was a mile because it feels like the mile just has all the glory. It's like the, I don't know, it's just I'm kind of the you. glory race. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like it's a very American thing to say. But I would say the mile has all the glory, but I'll go with the 1500 because it's that perfect balance of endurance and speed, I think. Um, and, I, yeah, I think it would be really cool to win a 1500 mile, um,
0: title. Another question for you. What is the hardest workout you've ever done? Spill the tea, Jackson
1: oh okay so for me okay the thing for me personally is i'm gonna say the hardest like personally for me not only like physically but mentally just like kind of grueling we do these 40 minute steady states we call them um it's it's a little bit between it's a little bit slower than a tempo um but like faster than um i don't know like a i guess a long run pace so for me it's around like probably five ten to five fifteen, and we do 40 minutes at those and those get grueling like by minute 25 you're kind of just out of it um, and it, it's it hurts and those suck but also we do a lot of kind of 400 repeats on one minute rest and those 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 kind of suck too but I, I like a track more than I like kind of tempo work so
0: was there a particular workout you've done in the past few months that signaled to you that you were ready to do some of the big things you did like win new balance or was
1: there a workout you did where after it like you were like I'm ready to go I can run with anybody Yeah. So one of them was like that 40 minute, I think it was actually a 35, maybe 30 minute steady state we did. I did it under sub five ten pace, which is something I've never done before. Um, So that was a big jump for me. And then I did a track workout about two weeks ago and we did some 200, 300s and I was consistently running under like 42 in like 28. So that knew that made me realize I was kind of in a lot of speed shape, which is something I didn't have maybe two months ago.
0: Love it. Okay. Another
1: question from Clay. What is your dream sponsor? Ooh, dream sponsor. That's actually kind of hard, honestly. Like, I'm I'm just gonna go only like kind of running because I feel like that that's easier. Because if if you open up to any possibility, there could be a hundred different answers. But for running, I I would say either Nike or. Uh, this is, might be a weird one, but Liquid IV maybe would be a really cool sponsor, I feel like, because I'm a big Liquid IV guy.
0: Yeah, so. I was sponsored by Liquid IV, the podcast was, and then uh, I switched to drink LMNT, so I actually Ooh. have the have the water bottle with me, yeah. so I can't <laughs> yeah. be promoting them, Jackson. Competitor, yeah, I, I man. Okay, <laughs> uh, <laughs> another question for you. Final uh, listener question. What is his shoe rotation?
1: Ooh, so this is... I, I wore Brooks. Um, I think it was the Brooks Adrenaline. From my eighth grade year maybe seventh grade year all the way up until like three months ago and then one or when, once i committed to duke and i knew they were in nike school and i i knew like i knew some of the guys on the team that still wore brooks and a couple in Socony and stuff um but i wanted to at least try and give nikes a try so right now i'm just wearing the nike invincible ones which are kind of old um but i really really like so them. nice I tried I, I love them i i think the perfect balance of like a lot of cushion but like I can still kind of rip long runs on, like, 6.05, 6.10 pace in them and not really, like, feel a difference. Um, so that's what I wear for, like, everyday training runs. Um, and then, like, for tempos and stuff, I'm, I usually use the dragonflies. Uh, or not the dragonflies. The, <laughs> I was um, about to say, vapor. Fly- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> vaporflies. Vaporflies. Make sure I'm not doing 30-minute tempo runs and <laughs> <into> dragonflies. <clears throat> but, and then off like, for speed works, like, 200s, 300s, and 400s, I do um, dragonflies.
0: There you go. So. Final question for you. The question I ask every single guest, if you had Gordon Ramsey coming over for dinner, what would you choose to make for him?
1: Oh, what would I make for him?
0: Yeah. Chef Jackson.
1: Oh Chef Jackson, there's honestly not a lot that I can make. I I, I make a lot of my own food, but a lot of it is very, very simple. So I think I would honestly just make him a nice like breakfast meal. Because that's like my favorite meal. So I would probably cook up cook him up some pancakes, eggs, some bacon maybe some hash browns. That's that's my favorite meal. So I'd I, I give him that and see see what he thinks. The Jackson Heidish <laughs>
0: special. There you go. Yes,
1: there you go. Exactly.
0: Jackson, an absolute pleasure doing this podcast. You're welcome back on anytime. Very impressed with you, both <laughs> on and off the track. Thank you so much for doing this today.
1: Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate the offer. Nice talking to you. Thank you so
0: much for listening to today's episode of The Running Effect with Dominic Schleter. I don't take your time for granted and I hope that today's episode impacted you and left you walking away inspired and all the more motivated to chase after your biggest goals and walking away a better version of yourself. Make sure you're following the podcast, have given us a five-star review and consider sharing with a friend. Through that, we can reach new people and hopefully inspire them in the process. Also, make sure you're following us on social media at The Running Effect to stay up to date on all the exciting projects and all the new episodes coming out generally we release two to three episodes per week so stay tuned for all of those coming your way shortly i hope you're running and life is going well guys keep chasing mastery and i will catch you in next episode